right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. What is up, my man? Fired up today. We get a little freestyle action because, man, we've had some really cool shows, some really cool just things that, you know, turn a wrench on lately. And, uh, man, we picked up some really cool ideas. And, and for you, maybe the next adventure. <laughs> oh, man, you ain't lying. We've had some great projects. I mean, this is probably one of the best uh, early kickoffs of our season that I can remember as far as the builds and what we got to do. And I mean, dude, we always have fun, but I don't know. Some of these just kind of grooved. I had a great time, you know, on the builds, on the set, hanging with you. Uh, and I think that's going to carry, you know, to the audience. I think, I think everybody listening, watching is going to really appreciate, you know, some of the, the projects and the vehicles that we had on there. There was a great start. I hope we just yeah, roll with it the whole season. Yeah, we had, you know, for me, I'm a Mopar fan. We had a Super B um, that was uh, really cool in the engine rebuild. But one of the highlights, I believe, of, you know, our last couple shows have been, you know, the, the two Broncos, but also the Jeep. We've been able to, you know, it's just amazing, honestly. When you think of what Jeeps, SUVs, trucks, you know, all these things have really taken off in the last number of years, like through the roof, skyrocketed more than anybody could really predict. And it's such a cool lifestyle and the functionality of these things and creature comforts have really caught up to cars and maybe even surpassed with some of the stuff that we've done on the show. And really, it's, it's amazing to see the transformation. You know, take that Gladiator, for example. I don't think that's a very robust and, you know, a very cool offering from the factory, right? Oh, but everyone, everyone that we have done, man... We put some tires, lift kit, a few tricks to them. And most recently, the Overlander sort of, you know, um, madness that has caught on around the country and around the globe for that matter. Wow, did it play great into the show and allow us to build something really cool. Yeah, the, the you know, the Gladiator right off the showroom floor, especially if you got some dinky tires on it or whatever. It just doesn't it doesn't grab me, right? There's yeah. not a lot cool about it. I'm like, yeah, it's not really a truck. It's not, uh, not really a Jeep, you know? But, dude, all of a sudden, you, you you put it in our hands, and we throw some goodies on it. And I'm telling yeah. you, man, you throw some stance 
on that thing. You throw some, you know, real wheel tire package on it. You know, you start putting accessories on it, and it looks the part. I mean, all of a sudden, you're yeah. like, wow, all right, so it's not really a truck, but damn, can I do a lot of awesome stuff with it. The off-road capability just kind of pops, and yeah, we did the whole overland thing, and if you're not real familiar with overlanding, uh, it's it's all about more adventuring uh, with your vehicle, getting somewhere as well as being there once you're there, right? So it's it's the the journey that's just as fun, and it doesn't have to be hardcore rock crawling, but it could be rock crawling, it could be going through mud, it could be... Who knows? You could go anywhere and have a great time once you're there. It's, it's the combination. Right. Well, it's the outdoor lifestyle, and it's so connected to the vehicle, whereas it used to be you packed the, light, the outdoor lifestyle into your rig, and once you got to your destination, you know you unpacked everything, and the focus was around a campfire or the tents or wherever you would set up, right? Um, not so much around the vehicle, but this allows the vehicle be the epicenter. And, man, just the... Uh, the amenities that you could now have, they're so much nicer than sleeping on the ground. Uh, it's <laughs> man, it's it's over the top. And and like you said, these these gladiators from the factory, they look like the guy that skips leg day at the gym. You yeah. know, I'm like, yeah, they need something. Uh, but man, it's nothing. We've done a couple now, but it's really nothing to get 37 inch tires, uh, a really nice stance, and throw an unbelievable amount of aftermarket support at it. Like, you can get everything for these vehicles, oh, and we man. really showcase a lot of that stuff uh, in that show in particular. Yeah, bumpers and lighting, and, you know, we put oh. a whole rack system on it, the whole tent that goes on top, you know, so you can sleep above. Uh, it's it's endless, all the things that you can do to them. And also, if you're thinking about hitting the great outdoors, maybe you have a Jeep, maybe you have a Bronco, maybe you got something old school muscle, you definitely want to check out this podcast. Stick with us. We're back after the break. With Kevin Bird and Willie B, it's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up, man, because today we're kind of recapping some shows, maybe talking about some of our own projects. Like this year has been an adventure. From the vehicles that we have built and the experiences we have, uh, well, we've got to experience. <laughs> There's been some seat of the pants, you know, adrenaline pumping. I'm going to get you, bro. I'm going to get you type, you know, scenarios this year. And uh, we're just getting started. So it's been great, man. We're, we're talking about, you know, not only the Jeep Gladiator, but, you know, we've done a couple of Broncos, which is really cool. Man, you can't hardly see these Broncos on the road yet. But being able to pull one in the shop, work on them, both the sport and the, you know, the bigger one, the Sasquatch, you know, option sort of Bronco that's, man, that's really, God, is it, it is a tough, tough piece of equipment once you get that thing dialed up and in. Like, it, it, it would be a tough, if I was a consumer out there, it would be a tough sort of back and forth between, you know, that Jeep Gladiator that we did and at the end of the show with all the Overland gear on it, 37s. All that stuff. And then the Bronco we did, again, with 37s and straight tricked out, man. It's, that's a tough decision. But I, I like to make it. <laughs> so, yeah, man. All right. So 
it was really cool. We had, like you said, both Broncos and the Gladiator just in this first part of the season. So even for Willie and I, I mean, we're, we're excited to get in some of these vehicles. And for me, getting my hands, you know, everything else on, on all of those and kind of getting the smell, the taste, the feel, uh, getting up under them, doing the mods. Where'd you end up, man? Um, if you had, you know, if you're in the market and you're ready to pick, and let's say they were all priced pretty similarly, but you had a fully loaded, you know, Jeep, yeah, the Gladiator, yeah, or that full size Bronco. Where would you lean? Oh, you know, that's a um, it's a tough kind of decision. I, I I feel like they both have their, you know, their pros and their cons. Um, I thought the, you know, I actually thought the Jeep interior was a little more updated, especially after we got done with it. But the Bronco and and you know, kind of some of the cool styling options and. And four-wheel drive, you know, goodies that you can get in there. Plus, it's a Bronco. There's something cool about a Bronco. I see a lot more Jeep Gladiators. You don't see a lot of the Broncos. So, honestly, I'd probably lean, as much as it pains me to say, I'd probably lean towards that big Bronco. Yeah. You know, the one thing that really kind of stuck out to me uh, on that Bronco is just the way it drives. You know, it's got that uh, independent front suspension on it. It's got a true rack. Anybody that's driven a Jeep on the street, especially at highway speeds, you know, they kind of wander quite a bit, uh, you know, recirculating ball type steering. Uh, you know, if you're doing full off-roading, you probably don't care, right? You right. probably like the articulation of the Jeep. But, you know, most of us are probably going to drive a lot of street miles. And uh, that Bronco, from everything I've seen, like on some hardcore stuff, if it's set up appropriately, it's pretty on par with the Jeep. You know, they probably yeah. both have some pros and cons. Uh, so I'd say it's, you know, at least 80, 90%, if not all the way comparison off-road to the Jeep. And it's probably, I'd say, you know, 70, 30 dominating on the street, if not more. So I, I think I might lean towards that Bronco, man. And especially, like you said, it's a damn Bronco and they're new, they're fresh, they're hot. Yeah. Um, whew. Now I wouldn't kick any of them out of bed, you know? No, I love them. I love them both, bro. I'd, I'd, I'd be so stoked. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I, I'd have them out and getting them dirty. So, you know, I, I recently sold my 69 Bronco. I had a 69 Bronco. Dude, I'm just, I'm this far away from working on a neighbor that's got a 70 Bronco. So it's, you know, it's, it's one of these vehicles that, you know, just that name alone, and it really doesn't matter if you get one of them early Broncos, even now the mid-80s to mid-90 Broncos are starting to really get, I mean, nuts in value, what they're asking, what they're bringing, what, you know, the interest in the aftermarket support getting, you know, sort of thrown at that thing, that, that thing's exploding. Oh, yeah, I mean... And you can see it with just about any vehicle. Once, like, the primo favorite gets all snatched up, the prices just go skyrocketing, and everybody's like, ooh, what about this one? <laughs> Whereas, right, right, you might, you know, oh, there's plenty of those and whatever. They're not as cool. Uh, but, man, once all the cool ones are gone, that's the next one up on the on the market, well, you know? It's following the, the C10, which mm -hmm. was an amazing big money truck for so many years. And the, the pedigree really doesn't matter because so many people do really cool custom, you know, sort of things with their C10s. You saw that sort of springboard the square bodies. Now square bodies are bringing huge money, right? Same way with the Bronco. That first gen was through the roof. You couldn't touch one for, you know, under 80, 90 grand at any, you know, sort of Mecham or Baird auction. 
nowadays they're six figures if not more um it, it really is amazing to see now the bigger ones start to command 50 60 70,000 like the big OJ Broncos that we're aware of you know it's yeah. crazy that things bringing that much money and some of our friends that you know we know well power and performance you know uh Cleveland power and performance they just did one for SEMA and it was amazing um it really you know it sort of showcased where these these vehicles are going and you take you take the creature comforts and the styling of the new ones, just knowing what the past ones have done and how hard they hold their value. I don't think anybody can go wrong by dropping that money down and, you know, putting, you know, putting their name on a list. Although it's a list, they're still making it. Matter of fact, when we were there, this is no joke, you guys, when we were there, the dealership that, you know, came in and talked to us about the Bronco. He said that they stopped taking orders that week because they were behind on so many orders. So many people have bought that, you know, that Bronco. It's going to be awesome to see out on the road. Well, yeah, I called my dealer too because I'm I'm kind of in the in the I'm in shopping mode, man. I'm thinking I, I I could live with one of these new Broncos, and it's still nine months to a year out right now. Uh, crazy, you know. I yeah, mean, man. clearly there's uh, you know a lot of demand out there. They're hot. They're new. Uh, it's exciting, but. And you throw in post-pandemic and all the shortages and the chips and everything else. And wow, you know, what a waiting list. And, yeah, you know, man. some of the manufacturing issues they've had. You know, I think the tops and probably some other supplier issues. Yeah, um, everybody wants the shiny new coin. It's just, uh, uh-huh. you know, you've got to wait for the, the people to press it. I mean, it, it is that way nowadays, which is kind of crazy to think about. It. But, you know, we talked about this before on the podcast. You're not going to hurt yourself by making an investment now in what we really feel is like the heyday of this era with all the, you know, IC engines going away and fading out faster, you know, a little bit sooner than what probably, you know, a lot of people were thinking, man, you speak of the heyday and a real incredible time uh, to grab some of that real estate because I feel like in five, seven, you know, nine years, it's going to be really just a whole different world when it comes to driving and, and what you're using for transportation and just how that whole thing gets ingested into our daily routines and lives. So it's going to be very, I feel like it's going to be a very smart investment for people to get their hands on, you know, whether it be a Bronco or a performance base, you know, the Mustang GT500, incredible offering, a Roush, uh, incredible offering, anything right now, Z06, they just came out with that insane Z06 Corvette and you know obviously the Hellcats the Red Eyes I feel like are all smart investments to make right now because you really truly are seeing you know sort of a crescendo of uh of horsepower performance drivability um and everything there that that is the heyday before everything switches over to electric yeah no I agree and and just like we talked about with you know, once the, let's say the first gen Broncos are snatched up or way too, too expensive, the next ones start looking real appealing. So it's amazing how quickly your attitudes can change when you feel like things are disappearing, you know? So yeah. when all of a sudden the gas valve, right? The, the valve that's spitting out gas engines uh, and vehicles shuts off. You're like, Oh, I got to get mine, especially yeah, a yeah. cool one, you know, because there's not going to be a, you know, a cool Hellcat or anything else that I can buy as a, as a new one, let alone. So, uh, yeah, grab your, grab your choice. 
You know what I saw the other day, and I couldn't believe I said, said this out loud? I saw a Maverick, and I, I actually said out loud, it looked good. And I was like, what are you thinking? That car was hideous back in the day, but it shows you the difference in time and a different perspective. Ah. You know, what you look like now and go, wow, that's really cool. And, you know, you could, just, you could apply that same thing to cars in the 80s. You know, everybody thought, of, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a mid-80s Cutlass Supreme was kind of, you know, ugly. Everybody thought the... You know, I guess when they first came out, the third-gen Camaro was was all right, but they quickly kind of got the cold shoulder and he went to a more modern design. Now people look at him and go, oh, man, what I would give for a third-gen Camaro. So you're right. It just is that cycle. It continues to go, and it's just interesting to see where we're going next. Yeah, it's the nostalgia thing that just gets in there and bites on you a little bit. You're like, ooh, that, that makes me remember things. It makes me feel certain things, you know? Which, which kind of reminds me of the first show we did this year with the 68 Camaro. The first-gen Camaros, I feel like, are always going to be big in value, and they're always going to be a collectible. It doesn't matter what shape they're in. There's enough aftermarket support and people out there that can do it. You know, and nowadays, like like that very first show, we put that Fitech, you know, EFI, I believe it was the uh, Easy Street, and... Man, you put something like that, the drivability, the fun factor goes through the roof, and all of a sudden, man, you get a lot more enjoyment out of your ride. The only thing I would tell that guy next is he needs a, either a four-speed um, or, you know, a, a Trimic dropping a six-speed in there sure would be nice. Um, but, yeah, he needs something more than just a few gears. But, yeah, man, bringing those around is freaking awesome too. Yeah, that was a really nice one, man. And I have to tell you, I am a first-gen Camaro fan. I hate to be on the bandwagon, but that's just what I was around as a you know high school kid. You know, I had a third gen. Yeah. Uh, you know, not necessarily gonna you know die on that one, but the first gen my one of my best buddies had, and we just ripped everywhere. You know, we were always building more power and racing each other, and yeah, yeah, the first gen is just burned in the back of my skull somewhere. Uh, but this man. one was beautiful, man. It was a really nice. I don't know if you remember the color. It was like a a, a lighter blue, a little bit of gray in it. Uh, yeah. some white pinstriping on it. Uh, we threw some wheels on it, which looked really good at the end. Uh, but it was all about uh, getting that thing to kind of really nice daily driver status. And like I said, I think um, once we put the fuel injection on it, we got a new tank on it. We got new lines everywhere. Right. right uh, we did yeah. some interior work on it. So we've got new carpet, new center console. The seats were in great shape. And with the paint that was pretty decent on it, that car was looking beautiful, convertible. So, I mean, talk about a car you'd want to drive every day as long as it's nice. Uh, like you said, he just needs another gear or two or three. You know? Yeah, yeah. Other than that, man, that thing was kind of dialing it, in. And, you know, I'll tell you something that happened to me recently, and this should be it should be advice for anybody who listens to the podcast. Um, I had my six, I got a 67 Camaro. I traded four different cars for it, but really I acquired these cars through weird trades and, and I just was sitting on a bunch of Camaros. A buddy of mine had this one, so we did a little swap. I picked up an original 396 big block Camaro. It's now got a 427 in it. Four-speed, original 12-bolt car. So it's a cool-looking car, man. Have you ever seen that movie Better Off Dead? It's kind of like that one. <laughs> uh, love that movie. Want my $2. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two so weeks. This, yeah. <laughs> um, so this car, I, I, you know, I had a fire. For anybody that doesn't know, I had a house fire. So... You know, for the last year and a half, I've been, you know, kind of living all over the place, not at home. And then the times I have been at home, I spent either rebuilding the house or on my cars for Christmas projects. So I never, you know, over the last year, year and a half, I've not taken any of my hot rods out. And I, I got a lot of hot rods. It's kind of a job, but a fun one. 
So the other day, it's my daughter's birthday. I'm moving the cars out for the first time. I jump in my 67 Camaro, fire it up, pull it out of the garage, no problem. As I get ready to get out of the car, I look up at my sun visor. Guess what was in my sun visor? A big old bunch of like insulation looking stuff. And as I pulled it down, there's stuff moving in it. So I grabbed the the bucket, right? And right as I flip the sun visor, a few mice come out of the, the, not only the sun visor, um, but man, they had infected all through everything in that car. It was, man. Oh, man. Mice tore it up. God. That... That is one of the last things that you want. Yeah, behind the dash, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So, look, we sometimes on occasion we'll have a mouse blocker. Those things really work. I got them in the upper barn, not my lower barn. Because <laughs> I thought I would be in there enough. But, you know, I have it move and driven those cars around. It's not those cars I normally worry about driving. So, yeah, lesson learned, man. I have a, you know, I have a laundry list of things I got to replace, you know, on that car because I didn't drive it for a year and a half. And that should be a testament to everybody that listens. Drive your car. <laughs> uh, it sucks, man. I couldn't believe it. Well, that's what's tough with you. You got so many darn cars in there that, you know, how, how do you get around to driving them all and uh, keeping them running? I don't know how you do it, man. That's that's crazy. I, I have a couple and it's it's tough enough. <laughs> yeah, you know? normally, normally I got a big long list of friends that um, will be more than happy to take the cars out. We all roll them out on occasion and... I usually dump a lot of miles here in Colorado on the on the vehicles because we have so many days we could actually drive them. Um, unfortunately, the last year and a half has just been, you know, really rebuilding the house. And, you know, when you're not living in front of your shop and you can't have access to them every night, you don't get the opportunity to drive them. So it was always, for me, just working on the house and rebuilding my home, uh, not really paying a lot of attention to the cars, and now I'm paying for it. Uh, so, yeah, man. My pain, my suffering can be your learning um, real fast, man. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we got to take a quick break, but um, we had another car that was kind of interesting. The uh, 12, 2012 Super B. So 6.4 liter charger, 470 horsepower from the factory. This guy had, you know, a few goodies on it, some headers, some tune. Uh, I think he had an intake on it and everything. So he was making probably some good power, but uh, he hurt that motor with a bad tune. And uh, I'm going to let you guys guess. Uh, so it was still running when it came in. The guy drove it apparently, uh, but it was way, way down on power. Uh, and usually that's a bad sign. And typically when you start losing power like that, you lose the whole motor. Uh, but yeah. we were able to pull it apart before it disintegrated. Uh, and just guess what we saw what? Before most of it, before most of it disintegrated. Yeah. Right. Before a rod came out the side, <laughs> right. right? Before yeah. a rod came out the side. So guess, uh, there was some piston damage. So guess what the piston damage is and how many pistons were damaged. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two. Usually by then you've already launched the motor. So, yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll come back after the break and, <laughs> and fill you in on what we discovered on the teardown. It was, it was quite interesting. I can't believe it was running. No, whatever your number is, go higher. We're back in just a minute. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And, man, when we last spoke, <laughs> Kevin was referencing a 2012 Dodge Super B. It's kind of a rare and kind of a collector-type car. Now, it had the 6.4 in it. Big number, man. 470 naturally aspirated. It's so impressive when you think about 
you know, the Hemi, the the Elephant, you know, the 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 engine that really uh, it defined the architecture for even drag racing today. You know, the engines that are putting out 10,000 horsepower are really modeled after those old school Elephant Hemi engines. Um, that engine only put out 425 horsepower. So you look at something like that 6.4 at 470, much more efficient at it. And the power range is much longer, stretched over a longer RPM range. Like, man, it is so different what modern technology can provide you with as far as power goes. And this 6.4, it wasn't anywhere close to 470. <laughs> Not when we got it. I bet no, you the configuration no. before the damage was probably good for well over 500. You know, for an NA motor, that was that was great setup, but uh, whew, the damage, the damage. Uh, yeah. He, he, now, look, this thing was running when we brought it in. So imagine it's way down on power. You start pulling, you know, components off of it. And, man, the second we pulled the head, both yeah. heads came off. It was <laughs> so apparent and obvious that it wasn't just one. It wasn't just one piston that was affected. Oh, man, it was almost every single one of them. To the yeah. tune of, I believe, six of the pistons were missing chunks of the chunks. ringland. Yeah, like chunks. Like big inch and a half, two inches of, you know, of the top of the piston, the ringland, completely exposed. You could look down six of the eight cylinders and see rings. <laughs> yeah, good portions of the ring. Yeah. Like a quarter of the piston or maybe even a third of the piston, the top land completely gone. So you can imagine that's a big chunk of metal bouncing around inside that cylinder. Um, I mean, how that thing didn't scuff, how the piston didn't come apart, uh, even more than that, I I'm still amazed. Uh, and I couldn't believe that the cylinders weren't all scratched up. The cylinders yeah. looked in decent shape, um, but it did, uh, at least in one... You can see the pinging. Typically, in when you're knocking, you can see little little pot marks. You know, yeah. So that yeah. that's pretty common. But to have these chunks gone, uh, you know, that material's got to go somewhere. So it's typically, you know, either somewhat burned up if it's small, but typically it's shot out the exhaust somewhere. Um, but man, one one uh, chamber, one piston, you could see where it was just smashing oh. the chunks between the piston top and the uh, the combustion chamber. Ooh, that cylinder head had to go. Oh my God, it was <laughs> hammered, y'all. It was straight up MC hammered. It it was it looked like it had rattled in that cage for for hundreds of miles before it finally got out, and it just beat up the combustion chamber like you wouldn't believe. It's a show you really should check out because not only are, are you going to be shocked that this thing ran when we pull out the pistons. You, I mean, you or pull off the heads and you see the pistons for the first time. You can't believe Kevin's side of the engine. Every single piston was showing a massive chunk of the top ring. It's just, it's amazing to see that much damage and have an engine actually still under its own power coming to the shop. <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah, even when we got to the bottom end. So let's just let's just blow by the fact that the top end didn't come apart, at least the pistons and whatnot. Uh, we oh, got yeah, down the to bearings. The, the bearings. Ooh, man, there was one bearing set that it was fully pounded out. Uh, I don't know how that thing didn't spin and seize uh, but it was probably a lick away from, you know, just grabbing onto that crankshaft and saying, "Nope, I'm stuck here for life, man." Yeah, um, and the and the the cause of it all, right? Nitrous in a bad tune. <laughs> that'll do it, man. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because we've had podcasts before, with, you know, a great guest on nitrous, and it really is. It's you know where that spark event begins. 
keeping down, you know, detonation, especially, you know, not running it um, like like this guy was, who uh, he obviously was a big fan of nitrous. I, we did hear through the grapevine that he sure indeed loved himself some nitrous, and it was pretty apparent when you uh, when he got the engine exposed that, that indeed he was a fan, but maybe the tune on the car was a little off. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But we got them turned around. Uh, so we yeah. tore this thing down. We got the, the proper bits machined up. We got a new cylinder head for the one bank. And uh, we had a full-on stroker. Was it 426 cubic yeah. inch? So, I mean, it, it was, you know, nostalgic in number. And, uh, man, we're going to add some, definitely some additional power and torque on that thing. So get that bad boy making compression again. Uh, and back on the stage, I mean, the new bits were solid, man. Right. Uh, was it were they Mala rods and pistons? No, they were. Um, I know the pistons were Mala, and they were they were stout. Man, that top land, you know, yeah, it was, a lot more it was material. Way man. way thicker. Yeah, hard anodized all over. Uh, so those would be some good uh, good slugs in there. So he should make. I don't know. Uh, what would be your guess on power wise with the additional cubic inches in there? I mean, from you know the setup things- that he had. Those things are, I mean, obviously, depending on where he's at, what the altitude is, that's a battle I always face being here in Colorado and in Denver. Um, but, you know, I, I don't see why that car could make every bit of 550, 580 um, with, uh, you know, additional cubic inches. Going from, a you know, a 392 to a 426, going, you know, he's going with a, uh, a lot better cam package, head package. He's going to have a little bit more compression. Uh, a tune on that thing, I, you know, I feel like that guy was comfortably a – 530, 540 before. This ought to give him another 30, 40. So I feel like that's going to be a, a pretty wicked, you know, for an NA car, that's going to be pretty nasty. When he sprays it, man, it's um, it's all on board. You could ring those out for, you know, 700, 800, you know, depending on what a shot is for a street car. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's going to pick up quite a bit of torque from the stroke. Uh, so that's going to just feel solid everywhere, you know, from instant tip in all through the power band. So that's gonna be a great setup, man. That that car turned around quite a bit. Now to get that motor out, that's that's quite a bit of work. You know, we had to pull the entire cradle off. You know, uh, unloosen all the front suspension and everything, and just drop it all down in one big chunk. Uh, and then you can you know start peeling away and get the motor out and get it torn down. So yeah, that was a fun segment, man. I, I really enjoyed tearing into that thing, and the shock value. Oh yeah, man, absolutely. If anybody ever is pulling a lot of engines, man, always get you one of those cradles. I've got one for my old school Dodges that makes pulling engines, dropping the OK member out. Literally, I got a couple pins in the front. I got a, you know, a transmission mount that I I hook it all up to. And I could drop the entire K member, all the suspension, so much easier to work on everything, get to everything. The car stays on the lift, so you just wheel it right in underneath it. Man, I'm telling you, that is such the way to go and really will make it so much easier getting that engine and transmission in there, getting everything hooked up, you know, without jacking your paint up or hurting the car, you know, or going, you know, we, you've seen us, we've done it on the show where we go engine and transmission in, dive it in that way. But I really, man, I love going underneath the car and dropping the car down on the drivetrain. Yeah, no, that's a great tip, man. If you got a, a, a lift, for sure. Uh, if you can go that way, that's the way to go. Yeah, some of the old rides kind of tricky that way, uh, but some of them, a lot of them, really lends itself to to going down that path. Yeah, those dodges do for sure, man. The K members just got two pins. I got the slide in the holes, 
undo the four bolts on the K member, sits right in my little cradle. Transmission mount goes where the you know jack is, and I got it adjustable so you can slide it forward or backward depending on you know I don't always do big blocks most of the time I do, but small blocks you know Chevys I pull them the same way. It's uh it's it's just a really cool sort of tool to uh, to build. Maybe one day on the show we could tackle building one of those. Yeah, man, that'd, uh, that'd be a great little project. Yeah, it's it's fun, man. It's, God, it's so so helpful around the shop. So recommend anybody that's got you know sort of a, a lift in a garage that does a lot of engine swaps and tune in that way it's a great way to get the engine out be able to work and access to everything and then stick it back in and once you do it once or twice man you get it down i can have an engine out of my 69 dodge charger in under an hour yeah you know sit, sitting down on a you know on a rack like that ready to rock well i tell you anybody that doesn't have a car that can do that or a lift and you're still stuck on a cherry picker my favorite go-to, it's just such a simple thing. If you jack the back wheels of the car up, right? So you're absolutely right. You got a hole and you're trying to drop the motor and a transmission in, but you know, a motor and transmission is long, you know, and you're trying to drop it down. If you can just tilt that back end of the car up, put it on some jack stands, uh, and then you're just tilting the engine bay, right? A little bit more vertical, and it just lets you stab that transmission in there without bashing into the windshield and the firewall so easy. Uh, makes it a lot smoother. Um, you don't have to, you know, push and crank. And of course, you can get the turn handles to to try to rebalance the engine and trans. But um, that little tip, so simple, and it does really add a lot. Yeah, man. It just makes. Oh, you imagine it makes the floor further away, so you got more room to swing that big, you know, transmission engine combo around. So anytime you can do that, it re it really does. It's a big helpful hint. And something else I, I would tell you too. You know how the old, like the old sort of tackle boxes or craft boxes that have little different you know sort of indicator we use you know at the shop we've got several of them, little tupperware boxes with lids and you open the lid and it's got you know probably five or six rows that are you know five or six little you know sort of compartments a piece if you're ever pulling apart an engine take that thing because you could always write on it and write what each bolt is whether it's bell housing bolts okay you got them all in one compartment uh, whether it's valve cover bolts alternator bolts you got everything in little compartments you just write on there and all you need is some brake clean right afterwards and psh, spray it right off ready to clean off for your next one it's just an easy way to have access to all your boats and all everything you need and and that way you don't get things mixed up or you know you're not left looking for bolts or fasteners you all at least know where they're at or where to go to to find them it's just a smart little access yeah. thing to have uh handy nearby it's a great tip and then, like I said, there's a whole bunch of different types of these containers you can get. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you another little add-on tip at the Home Depot. They've got them. I think it's their HDX line, maybe. But uh, that's ones we used on the on the recent project here. But they're you know little shallow rectangular box, uh, but they connect to each other. So you can have an individual box, and you can kind of organize it with engine bay. Maybe you can have the next box that stacks to it and connects. And maybe that's, you know, rear end parts or suspension parts, but it's a great way to organize it. And like you said, man, you label it and yeah, a lot easier than the, the bags are great, but then they get kind of in piles and they're all over the place. So yeah, man. yeah, good way to stay organized. 
So there you go, man. And uh, look, we can't wait to get another project. We have a lot of cool ones on the show this year. Make sure you check it out. It airs weekends on the Motor Trend Network. If you can't find us there, you got to pitch a fit. And then find us on Motor Trend Plus, which is a great way, great resource to find us streaming. Uh, thanks to our producer, Scoop, executive producer, Bob Ecker. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And this is the Two Guys Garage podcast. Yeah, well, check out our website on twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us. We're everywhere on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, of course, this Two Guys Garage podcast is copyright 2022 Brenton Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. Well, I tell you, man, this season's been great. I hope it just continues the same way, man. It might end up being one of my favorites. And we have been on this show a while, too, so that says a lot. Man, I just hope, I hope we have a... A show open for another first-gen Camaro that's got mice problems. Just, you know, hoping. <laughs> uh, hungry mice, man. It's amazing how much they could ruin your car, man. It's, it's brutal. <sighs> Headliners, seat, uh, sunlight. Oh, man. Oh. All the stuff you can't even see, the wiring, and who knows what else, man. Yeah, I mean, All it right. still fires off and runs good, so that's the Good that's luck the with plus. that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Uh, we'll catch you, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being here. We'll catch you on the show and the next Two Guys Garage podcast. You guys, take care. See you, guys. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.